Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to our first episode of Unscripted, where we have conversations that matter. This season is something different. We're not going to be interview-based, but we are really having these honest, transparent conversations. You may see somebody walk in the background. You may hear a dog bark. You may hear the children. Because in this moment, there's nothing that we've written down. There are certain points, yeah, that we want to get across um, for everybody who is listening and watching. But in this moment, I do appreciate my guests that are joining us today. Actually, my co-host, Ms. Tal Harris. Go ahead and tell everybody what's up. Hey, hey, good morning, everybody. So happy to be a part of the conversation today. All right, all right, thanks. Victoria, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone and tell them what you do. Good morning, good morning, everybody. My name is Victoria, and I am the CEO of Looking Through New Eyes, which we are an entity that does, um, uh, we do workshops on self-esteem, image building, effective communication, and I'm a part of a great organization called 482 Forward, where I am an organizer. All right, all right. Um, Devante, let everybody know um, what did what you do? Good morning, everybody. My name is Devontae Johnson, or Tay, and I am uh, the youth organizer with Detroit Action, um, mostly fighting to fully fund edu uh, public education and to increase young voter turnout. All right, all right. As you can see, people are going in and out of mute, and that's totally fine. We're trying to eliminate some of the background noise, but what we're going to talk about today is actually how to navigate the new normal, what the new normal looks like. For a lot of people, the new normal is very scary. Um, I know when I thought about my children going back to school or doing virtual school, um, my mental health, I had to take time out to think about that. What did work look like with so many people losing their jobs, um, with so many people starting new jobs, um, loss of income, public assistance, um, religion? How are we really navigating even that? Um, are we getting closer to God? Are we moving further away from him? What does that really look like? Politics and so many other thoughts concerns. We're going to go ahead and go over fears and really just how to, how we have been able to navigate and kind of move through that. So I'm going to go ahead and let somebody else jump in here <laughs> and let's talk about this new normal as far as where have we been um, mentally? No, I, I think, um, look, everything is, is different. Everything of, of how we are uh, dealing with our families, with our children, for me, on that note, with with family has been uh, a challenge. Um, from being a caregiver to older parents to uh, handling my children, you know, they're having a hard time just kind of being in the house, you know, and not being able to go places. But for us, you know, we follow the the recommended guidelines to stay safe, but we have started to kind of get out a little bit. Um, so that they can have that outlet because, um, yeah. yeah, after so long, it, it just was getting to be too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know like for me, like I was starting to get the pushback from the kids, you know, I mean, they yeah. got out of school what, last March. Right. You know, and with them, it was kind of like, we're tired of being in the house. We can only watch but so much TV. We can only talk to our parents, you know, in a sense so much. They don't really want to, you know, share their thoughts and what they're going through. And then now this whole transition with traveling, um, we did go to Florida, you know, to see my mom and 
and things like that. But it really became scary because I was so, I was not becoming paranoid, but I was in a point where I want everything to be clean. Like I have disinfectant spray everywhere Mm -hmm. in my house. Mm -hmm. I have it in my car. Um, I was telling my kids, you know, you can't go to the grocery store with me. You know, when we come in, it's like, what does all this stuff look like? And so I think we're all now trying to figure out what our new normal looks like, right? right? How do we navigate the new normal? And I'm so happy that, you know, Victoria and Devante especially are on here. Um, Three of you, I know personally, Devante, I'm just now getting to know, but with each one of us, we all do different things. And so I want to go ahead and dive right back in. I just want to ask that question to those of us that are sending our children or those of us that um, have children that should have been going back to school. What does that look like for you? Like for me, I know I was kind of selfish and did I want to send my kid back to school because I just didn't felt like I didn't feel like I was equipped enough to really have um to educate my child properly mm-hmm. without becoming frustrated, without becoming irritated, without becoming aggravated. But then I was also nervous with them going back to school because are they going to be safe? Are they going to wear their mask? Are they going to hug and dap and all of that other right. stuff? Are the teachers necessarily in the school going to take the proper um, precautions to make sure that our children are safe along with their staff? You know, so for me, I think I was being a little bit selfish just because um I didn't know how what that would look like if they had to do virtual school. How do I work, you know, from home and manage their their school? Anybody have like that thought or that fear or anything, Victoria? Yes. Um, well, the realities for me, the realities for me is um, I I'm not going to use the word selfish. But I'm going to use. I'm just going to use the mothering. Just the just the fact of mothering. Mothering for me became different. Um, you we I, the limitations that I know that my child would have at school has been you know so 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 so. It's just been the main thing that I that I could only see. I could only see what I know my child uh has had you no know, situations and problems and i could not see anything past that i couldn't see uh we're talking about my son has uh, my son has an iep and with his iep he has displayed some behaviors so all i could see was those places where um he would be looked at as having behavior issues when it was just those places where socialization has not been met. His socialization needs have not been met. So that can look really, 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 really silly right now, but taking in consideration that it may look like him not having his mask on. It may look like him um, interfering or intruding on someone else's space. And that's the reality. That's the real reality of being a parent that you that really knows their child and um, is is thinking about what you know. How is this new norm going to uh, possibly um, affect him? It could possibly affect him by him being infected, him infecting others, 
So is 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 I didn't say selfish. I said just that mothering, that whole mothering aspect went to a whole nother level. Like it was already on a ten, <laughs> now it's on a hundred. And so with that being said. I just, I, I, I said the virtual learning. So now with the virtual learning, what's going to happen? Now, my son did, he got out of school about the same time as well, Shay. But for that part of school that they did the virtual learning in before school was out, he did exceptional. He did exceptional. He came, he got up every morning, came down. Uh, was on on his computer doing his work with his teachers until I, you know, at first I didn't get up a couple of days. I was like, okay, what's going on? And then I began to get up to check on him to see what he was doing. And he was literally in school doing his work, staying focused. And then I began to have an aha moment. Oh, that's, that's really good, Victoria. Um, I just want to piggyback on what you're saying, even me too, having a child that has an IEP and special needs, everything mm -hmm. except as far as the socialization part, that was a major concern because he thrives off of, you know, his routine and mm -hmm. his routine was getting up every day, going to school. And when that stopped, that was very difficult for him mm -hmm. to understand. Um, so going back to uh, school this fall, my I had a sense of anxiety, like serious anxiety because I'm like, okay, how is he going to sit in front of a computer? Because he, for my child, he struggled uh, <laughs> sitting in front of a computer in March. You know, he has cognitive issues as well. And it's like, I could feel my limitations as a parent in trying to assist him. And that became a little bit more evident to me during this time. So it caused right. a place of anxiety for me. Um, but now, you know, now that we have a plan on how we're going to back, he, he is going to go virtual because uh, that's what the district chose. And so I'm told that he'll be able to go in a little bit for his services, which I'm happy about because I was very concerned about that. But I think that's a lot of, of, what, the, of what parents are feeling. Right. Um, the anxiety because every child is at a different level. We have some children that can thrive in the virtual setting and some children that just really will will struggle. And that's just right. the, the fact of it. But, you know, hopefully, you know, as time moves on, um, we'll be able to, you know, make some changes and some tweaks to the whole situation and it won't be too long, hopefully. But. Right. Well, I mean, honestly, I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm okay with my children staying home, what I what I struggle with is not feeling um, selfish by me coming because I work from home. So I'm struggling with that balance. How do I put time, effort and energy into my businesses and also spend that quality time with my kids? Because I feel guilty. Like I'm one of those parents that if I send my kids away for two days, I'm feeling guilty because I'm not spending that time with them. That's just maybe me, but that's just, you know, I don't, I don't enjoy necessarily getting a break um, away from the kids. So I struggle, I'm struggling with that right now, you know, and what that looks like. But I figured, okay, since they have a dedicated time to be, maybe I will fit my schedule to be, to match their schedule. So when they're on break, I'll take a break because a lot of times I get consumed with just working and, 
I don't even get up to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, just being real. It's a lot of times I just sit here at my desk and I'm just working consistently. So maybe that'll help me take, you know, a moment and take a break and, and spend that time with them. And then, you know, something that Tal and I also discussed because we live so close and we are friends, um, that maybe a week our kids will all be together at her house and maybe a week they'll be together at my house. A, it gives us an opportunity to get a break away from trying to figure out the school schedule. Um, it gives us an opportunity to just solely focus on our business um, and just get that necessary me time that we need as parents to rejuvenate our minds, rejuvenate our ourselves, you know, and really take the time out to that. So Devontae, I know you don't have any kids, honey. <laughs> but thanks, Deidre. I know you don't have any kids, but you are a huge advocate in the school system um, what does that look like for you and how some of the things that we have previously talked about, like, let's go into those things about how, um, they weren't really taking care of our kids in school to begin with. Yeah. Waiting for him to unmute guys. So I, think that, <laughs> I think that it's a bigger question of capacity, um, than it is really of like, of like selfishness, right? It's like, um, let's let's actually take in consideration the capacity not only um, of, of 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 the parent but of the students as well. It's like, do I have the capacity to sit behind the screen for X amount of hours, right? Do I have yeah. the mental structure to actually do that? Am I capable of doing that? Is there some things that some steps I need to take beforehand, like maybe taking one or two classes online first? You know what I'm saying? There's there should be there should be steps to it um, because just switching the whole mindset switching a whole structure that we've all been uh familiarized with forever on um, the whole educational structure of like in-person interactive learning um and then it's also the question to the parent will my child actually learn from this and so Come on. That the question, did i waste my time right and so right we have to consider in order to like either answer these questions we have to consider the predicament that we were in before the pandemic happened right Detroit public school students were suffering from a pandemic before uh, COVID-19 came. And the pandemic we were suffering from, suffering from was the lack of fully funding public education, right? And so we look at it, ask yourself, was your student learning in the environment before COVID-19? Was the teachers capable? Was the, was, the, was the classroom overcrowded, right? Did they have the right textbooks? And then ask yourself about the safety of the school before COVID-19, right? But, mm -hmm. um, we didn't have hand sanitizer. We didn't have hot water to wash our hands. We barely had soap and paper towel. And so we not, it wasn't a regularly uh, clean schedule um, for the janitorial staff. So we already see all of these different issues. And so it's more so on the capacity of the student. Are you going to trust to send the student to school, right? And, and trust that one, they'll be they'll be educated properly. Like the school has made the necessary steps to fix the old issues and some more to prevent any other. Right? It's like right. they have to do a lot of backtracking. And and, yeah. and the thing is, and it's 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 so bad to say, but I don't trust that the district has done everything that they can in their power to do so. We right. haven't got a clear so, commitment. We haven't got a clear plan. Right. So we're not even even talking just about like elementary school or middle school or high school or college. Right. This really is affecting every single person. Yeah. But more so that not just from the education standpoint, but if we think about it, sometimes even though the school wasn't as clean or it wasn't as safe, 
um, you know, in some areas, for some people, that was their safe haven. You know, I know the last time we brought this up a little bit, I got a little bit emotional, so I'm going to apologize in advance. I already got my tissue ready. Um, but for a lot of people, that was their safe haven. That was the way that they ate. You know, that was even the parent who is mentally unstable, who was fighting to take care of their child, that was their time to also do that. So my question now is kind of like, or something I want to kind of talk about is how do we really support one another emotionally, physically, and spiritually without overwhelming ourselves, which means for me, you know, especially being a coach without giving my all to somebody else where I leave nothing, I leave myself completely depleted by the end of the day. Um, what does that really look like? And I would say that emotionally take time to get you together. Take the necessary time to say, yo, I'm stressed in this moment. I am not feeling it. Um, people who know me know that when I stop answering my phone, it's because I'm dealing with something. Like I completely shut down, but I'm understanding now more so than ever that I cannot do that. I have to reach out to somebody because what's happening is Satan is getting a hold onto people in that quiet time where they're spending it by themselves, where they're shutting down. They're not talking about it. I don't think that we're transparent enough when it comes down to mental health. And I'm, y'all hear me getting louder. So I'm going to, let me digress a little bit. Ooh. Breathe, Shay, breathe. Because I get so passionate and I hate seeing people so broken and so torn down. And we're not honest about it, especially in the Christian community. Oh, yes, definitely. That's just that's just my feeling. So I would say take a moment to get you together emotionally. So, again, my question goes out. How do we step up? Because a lot of us need to do that. We need to step up. Um, and help everybody, help someone else without feeling like overwhelmed. Vicki, what are your thoughts on on that? <laughs> well, for me, um, that that's definitely um, under the umbrella of so many discussions that I have on a consistent mm -hmm. basis. And for mm -hmm. to to be able to separate my own stuff from the individuals that I am assisting is is a complete must so what i do and i'm just talking about victoria what victoria does victoria i take time to steal away myself away from husband away from children away from the computer and i usually do it in the early mornings i usually do it in the early mornings i usually um uh, read me some scriptures on faith and read me some scriptures on peace i usually do that um uh, in, in, in the beginning of the morning. And, and another thing is that having someone that I, as a, as, as a navigator, I call myself a navigator, which would still be in the lines of a coach. I have individuals that I can go to and I can talk to about those things that may come up when I'm even talking to other individuals. 
So sometimes I have things that come up that will let me know that I need to put a pen in this moment and be something that I can go back and reflect on myself. So having individuals that I can go to myself and talk about those issues and begin to write those things out for myself. So, you know, a lot of times we have to give the same information that we're giving to other people. We have to be able to use that for ourselves. That's what makes you so much effective that you can use the same information that you're using on other people to yourself and be honest. Mm -hmm. And strictly be honest, uh -huh. during this time and during the pandemic, a lot of saints of God, Christians, have not been uh, honest about the fact that they have dealt with anxieties and fear and panic. And as a whole, you can have, you know, you can you can look around and you can and you can literally see that people are going through. But when you ask questions, they just they um, they dismiss it or they retrieve to their caves. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to reach out to them just to have regular conversations, regular conversations on how you feeling today. How are you feeling today? What did you do today for you, mm -hmm. for you? And then in those places where we become emotional, um, want finding out what are those things that we're coming emotional about. And making them be your topic of your day. Making them be the topic of your day. I got really emotional um, a couple of days ago because I got a friend request from a family member that, um, that I hadn't heard from or anything during the time that my mother passed. And I felt, I felt like they should have reached out to me because they were somebody that my mom cared for so much. And I literally looked at the um, friend request like, really? 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 So that's honest. That's an honest place. And my emotions were, I, my emotions started going all types of places. I've never been angry or upset at that person as I knew, but then I had that came, come up. So I had to deal with that. And then spiritually so, begin to give myself what I would give to anybody else. Give myself Jesus. <laughs> if that makes any sense. You want know to say give myself Jesus. <laughs> give myself Jesus. And in that place where it's overwhelming, doing what I know to do in that place of, of, of being overwhelming, beginning to pray and seek out, seek out the counsel of the Holy Ghost. Okay. I think that's so important um, as well that we Although we may ask somebody if they're they're okay, right? So I'm gonna just throw my girl towel out here. <laughs> There's a lot of times that one we'll reach out to one another, and we'll say, "No, I'm good." When we can look at the other person and say, "I know that you're not," but I have to allow you to go through that process, right. you know, because what happens is, and and I know I can speak for myself and pretty much towel as well, because our lives are very similar. We have husbands, we have kids, we have businesses, we have, you know, family members that we're, we're caring for and different things like that. But we overwhelm ourselves so much, or we put so much on our plate. I'm not gonna say overwhelm. We put so much on our plates that we don't even realize how much we have on our plates until we take a moment and stop. You know, like this past weekend, my husband and I, we went on a fishing trip. You know, Tao kept our kids for us. Thank you, Tao. <laughs> and um, I had brought my waders to go fishing. I had my fishing pole. And when I got there, I realized that I didn't want to do that. I was okay with staying in the hotel room and doing absolutely 
nothing. And I was happy. I watched TV. I got on my computer a little bit, even though my daughter told me not to, you know, like I literally just took a moment. I ate what I wanted to eat. I, you know, like I literally just did nothing and I felt so good. I felt relaxed. He came in, he was just like, Hey, you want to go to the pier? You want to go for a walk? I'm like, if you want to, like, I'm okay if we don't, but sure, I'll go ahead and, you know, get dressed and, and go. Um, and even in that, I, I posted, you know, something about being very transparent in marriage, which is something that I would love to talk about later, these these truth moments in our marriages. Um, but really, I'm learning to be more open with those people that when I'm not okay, I can say I'm not okay to. Um, I love my apostle and my apostle Rudolph Ellis and Pastor Lois Ellis, mama and dad, like I love them. They will tell you, call us whenever. And I have done just that. I have been at a breaking point emotionally where I needed somebody to get me grounded. So it's important that when we ask that question is how do we support one another? First of all, we have to be willing to receive the support. And admit that you need it. You know? Come on. Mm-hmm. Like say that, Victoria. Well, I was going to say right there in that place right there, sometimes this is a place as well. I'm not saying it may not be a place for any of us, but there are times when we were talking to individuals and we are part with individuals and sometimes they have to seek out professional help. There is a place, there's a place where professional help is needed to be sought out too. Mm -hmm. But in our community, it has, has been looked at as a real, real, is a stigma. There's a stigma behind it. So there are places dealing with our emotions and our, our, um, our physical selves, our mental health, that we have to seek our professional help. Uh, something beyond me as a coach can do. Uh, sometimes people need medication, you know, um, and, and that's a true place. That's a true place for some people that they need a me they need medication to balance them out. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not the devil. They uh they haven't slipped over and get you know over into this place of just having all this influence. Ooh, that fly. They haven't slipped over in some places where they just uh, um, have all this activity, this abnormal activity going on. There's an imbalance somewhere and they're needing something to come in and subdue them and help them in that place. So there are places and there are times when uh, we have to um, be able to refer people out you know, refer them out, refer them out to the uh, other agencies or the other people that they are in, you know, that they need at that time, you know, because just because I'm helping in one situation and in one dynamic doesn't mean that I have the answers for everything. And in that, in, in that place, you know, being able to tell individuals that, you know, to go a little further, to go a step further and get some, um, uh, uh, some more help, you know, is, 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 it's really weird because I had a situation where I had a young lady that she needs some medical help and it's been brought on by some things that she's, um, she's doing. And one of the things she's saying to me, uh, or I did say to me was that 
I've never been here before. Well, you've never done X, Y, and Z before either that helped, that has helped to stimulate all those things that you got going on now. So I have to be, I have to be honest and I have to do a great service to be able to refer you to the next step, next place you need to go. And it's been really, really rewarding to be able to see her get the help that she, uh, that she needs. And so I'm just saying that in some places, uh, Shay, um, uh, we have to refer uh, people to uh, take that step to get the medical attention that they need. Yeah, I agree with that. However, I am a huge um, advocate on do, doing everything you can do first before you go to the antidepressants because just really quick, I literally lost three days of my life to antidepressants because I took one because I needed that balance. Um, I went to sleep because they would put me to sleep. I took another one. And before I knew it, I was waking up, taking them and not even realizing that I was taking them. So I woke up in the hospital three days later and the doctor said one more dose and I would have died. So I had literally taken almost 30 days worth of pills within three days. And for those three days, I don't remember waking up, you know, until I woke up in the hospital. So for me, I am a huge advocate on if you can go without the medication, do so. There are people who do need some type of balance. And I totally agree with that. And I have been sensitive enough with some of my clients to say, what you need is beyond what I can do, period. I'm very honest with that. I'm very um, transparent about that. But I think the first step for people in this situation is in the pandemic, pandemic, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, is identifying the things that you need yourself to be okay. Do you need somebody? It may be you just need somebody to talk to. You need a safe place that you can go. And like Victoria said, there are those, you know, her and I are both coaches in which we can help you if you're willing to put some of the work in. Um, you may need to actually go see a therapist. You may need to see someone else in the prof uh, a medical field, you know, someone with a PhD or an MD or something behind their name. You may need that. But the first step is really identifying um, what it is that you need. Sometimes you just may need a financial break. You know, you may need $100. Um, you know, let's figure out a way to get you there because everybody right now, I think financially is, for me, I know that I'm counting my coins, like I'm making sure I'm saving enough and doing different things um, to make sure that my family is good. But sometimes you may just need a, a moment, um, a financial break, uh, somebody to talk to. You may need to just go for a walk with somebody. You may need somebody to come to your house and just sit with you and just watch some, like identify what that thing is that you need, because only you understand what you need. Um, Devante, you know, we have a question out here. How do you think that younger adults are mentally and emotionally dealing with the pandemic and political unrest? That's a that's a meaty question. Come on, would um, you got the answer? Let's <laughs> let's start with um like the emotional distress of young people, right? Mm -hmm. 
we got people who still haven't got their diplomas yet, right, from last year. We have people who didn't have a chance to go to prom, didn't have a chance to go to graduation. A lot of people's first year experience either got stolen away or now they can't get the first year experience of college. Um, well, I went to an HBCU, the illustrious Alabama a and um, and we were sent home mid second semester, didn't get the full refund like we were supposed to, right? Wow. Um, so they, they still charge, when, when they sent us home, um, they sent us home without asking us any of our situation at home, right? So they didn't know if we had Wi-Fi, they didn't know if we were homeless or if we had a home, which is why we're paying you for the dorm, right? They didn't know any of this. In fact, we had students um, like sleeping inside of the library on, on, on winter breaks. Like on the breaks, we would have students staying over because they didn't have anywhere to go. And so um, most of the feeling right now has just been like neglect, right? Mm -hmm. And so neglect, but not only neglect, but it's like we have been forced to sit at home and watch, right? Watch what? We've been sit home, we've been forced to sit home and watch, like when, when we're talking about the political unrest, we've been sit home and, and, and forced to watch like a leader who uh, is not a leader, right? Sit home to, to like live out throughout these elections and live throughout uh, the, this uh, police brutality, right? We watch it every day. Every day somebody, it, 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 um, every day somebody our age or someone who looks like us um, ends up hurt or dead by the police. And what we see the reactions to that is nothing. And that is okay. And that is supported. And so young people in this time right now are, are really just saying, right? And so it's like, how do we shift those mindsets and how do we shift those ideas? And, and that's by inviting young people to the table. A lot of times uh, when I have conversation with, with, um, with like elders or I call them adult allies, um, a lot of times when we have conversation with folks, most of the times it's like, it's always, oh, young people don't have any energy, don't have any drive. You know, all of the old stereotypes that they use every generation, that the generation before uses for the younger generation, right? Um, most of the times when we're at that table, it's always about the issues. But then I ask, who did you invite to the conversation? Did you ask this young person how they feel? How about, how about we do a challenge? How about that? How about we ask any, everybody who has any type of relations with young people to ask them, how are you doing today? Are you okay? Because just as well as our adult counterparts are going through so much, so much with battling, um, like making sure that bills were kept, making sure um, that we had food on the table and all of that good stuff. But there are still events and, tra and traumatic uh, pieces of events that's happening in young people's lives. And we'll, if we don't address them now, we'll, we'll wake up with another generation that's still suffering from trauma that hasn't been addressed, right? And so we don't want that. We're trying to move into a progressive time where we're tackling issues where we're not afraid to talk about interpersonal family conflict, where we're not afraid to talk about past trauma that happened to us as kids, or we're not afraid to talk about the stuff that's happening out on the streets where our, our young black and brown folks in Michigan are getting chased and hunted down by police officers, hmm. right? If we don't have those conversations, we won't know what, we're, what, what, what people are feeling. And just as well, how about a young person asks an adult, how are you? Do you need any support? How can I help you, right? And I think right. that it's, it's mostly when we, if you have a relationship with a young person, I think that we, I think that we all need to take the time out 
to talk about expectations, right? And expectations is very similar to the expectation. It's, it's very, talking, having that conversation is similar to having the conversation about expectations in a relationship, right? And so if you don't talk about what you need and what you're willing to provide beforehand, then we don't have a, a, a consensus on what we need to move forward, right? Mm-hmm, and so young mm-hmm. people are simply asking, bring me to the table, talk mm-hmm. to me, invite me to the table. And, and, and our adult allies are saying, let me in, right? And so I think that's just a conversation. That's good. And, and something else that you have brought up, you know, Devontae, you talked about the system versus the ideology. So I want you to go ahead and kind of go into that because let me tell you, Devontae is very young. Well, in comparison <laughs> to who's on the panel, but um, just his knowledge and his passion for the next generation coming up, you know, um, they are the next leaders. They are the next um, game changers. They are the next activists. And we're seeing a lot of this because you brought up, you know, how the police are hunting down. Let's be real. Other people are hunting down as well. My husband being a police officer, I see it from both sides. I see the good cops and I see the not so good ones. Um, And so we have to be very mindful that we don't only target um, police officers. You know, there are there are people targeting my husband every time he goes out. So it it does go both ways. However, I do think that there is a lot of officers right now that should not have a badge. That's just, you know, that's my opinion. That's my husband's opinion. Um, We, this is something that we talk about often in our home, especially because we are raising young black men. Their lives are affected. A young black girl. We have friends and family members with young black men and and we have to teach them that their vote does matter so i also want you to talk a little bit about that as well tay cool um so first like the system versus the ideology right um and to give it a little bit more like a little bit more push it's like the system um that we could use is is maybe racism or or police brutality right let's just let's just say that or white supremacy uh-huh. you know or hatred against acts against you know young black and brown folks or black and brown folks period right that's that's the system right the system can be used as like a law, uh, prosecutor right the county prosecutor the system can be used as um, a police officer, it can be used as a parole officer, it can be used as anything that has the ability to be a, a, a authority figure to another person, right? And so when we talk about breaking these systems, we talk about breaking them, but then once the system is broken, it just transforms into another system. And so what we need to do is attack the ideology. The ideology behind all of these systems, if you remove the systems, right, the ideology is racism, right? And so if we tackle that, no matter uh, what what the um, your your occupation is, if this is how I, I'm trying to start to think about it too, Shay, it's like getting real more transparent and being more relatable. Like police are, and this is something I'm like talking to other young people about who I work with too, is like police are human, right? And we understand mm-hmm. that police are human and, and police are, um, sometimes our neighbors and sometimes our, our, our spouses or sometimes 
our pastors and you know church members. So we sometimes we we know who our police are, right? And so it's it's less of who the person is, but then again, we're going back to the system. The system of policing, right? The system of white supremacy, the these systems are backed by the ideology of racism. When we talk about the history of policing and and and, and in America, period, the history of policing was to start up, was started to capture free slaves and as a voter, voter suppression tactic, right? That means like police were represented, had to be represented at the polling location, stopping folks from going in, right? And so when we go back and we try to relate that to what's going on now about like what's going on at the elections, well, just a few weeks ago at our primary, right, we had, we did a caravan with young people from East English Village and we uh, drove down to WC3. And maybe about 20 young people um, who we engaged. We did voter registration checks at the uh, in the cars, like we went car to car. Like, bro, you you register to vote. You know where your polling location at. Like, you're not leaving until we until we get it all done, right? And most most of them were like our friends. We like we we're really pushing on relational organizing, organizing folks who you know who you, it's easy to cop to, uh, talk with. Um, and what we realize is like the young people haven't been engaged in, in the political process because they haven't been taught. And so we know that it's not being taught in school. So the civic engagement process is not being taught in school. Um, this was even my first time voting, and I, I, I do this work like I'm, I'm a staffer to do to do this work. But even going to the polls, I knew a lot. I, I didn't know a lot about the, that what was on the ballot, right? It was, and and I think that um, it's, it's it's because I did, one I didn't know um, who the candidates were in my district, right? The candidates who I did know were the ones who just had a name from when our parents voted, i.e. Kim Worthy, right? And we're, we're trying to push for more, uh, we're trying to push for people who understand, like we want more people in schools and we want more people um, in, in, in community centers rather than in, in, in mental health facilities and, and prisons, right? And we want, we want young people to actually be out in the community learning how to how to start a business or or learning how to fix the fix the water that our schools don't have to drink, right? Learning these skills or, or going off to college and we're diverting from the school to prison pipeline. And so how we're asking young people, how we're engaging young people in the civic engagement process is actually inviting them in and talking about the issues that they are impacted by, right? And so we, we, what we do around that is like connected to people who are uh, reflect your values. You vote for someone and put someone in office who reflects your values. And, what, and we identify with young people well, what are your values, right? And so it, we we all we most times have to start from the very ground up with folks who like just getting activated around an issue like the police brutality, or like 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 um you know the Karens or or anything you know stuff that's trending on 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 the news or stuff that's maybe happening in the community. We get engaged folks around that, um, and then we connect it to the bigger policy area. Like just the, the energy downtown that we're using marching day in and day night is just the energy that we need to bring to the polls because we have to create we have to connect the energy and the power to policy right because policy is what acts actually con con uh, contributes to the real change that's so good um i have a question also for victoria so we've talked a lot about some of the concerns and issues that we have during this new normal. Um, there can be a feeling of helplessness. How can we address 
um, that feeling in our communities, um, and this is open really to anybody, um, how can we uh, try to bring some, some more solutions to people during this time? That's a good, that's a really good question too. Um, when uh, you have a whole community that is feeling feeling helpless, like there is no hope that there's that everything is coming to an end, that every that this is it, um, and those uh, individuals, you know, community organizations. Um, having those bridges between the church and the community, but having that bridge between other uh, agencies and the communities and knowing, you know, who's in need and who's not, uh, and actually being able to seek out those, seek out those, seek out those that we know that are in situations that may be helpless situations for them, you know, um, some people helpless situation is that I don't have enough food. Some people a helpless situation is that I don't have enough money to pay my rent and I'm going to get evicted. Some people's uh, help, helpless situation is that I don't have um, the ability to get medical supplies, to get medication that I need. And so the having to bridge with different organizations and have that information out there for the people because people are not coming in to a lot of agencies to get information, they're asking by word of mouth. So a lot of things are getting out word of mouth. And so by word of mouth, we are needing to have all those resources for individuals that are in need. Um, we needed to know what organizations um, uh, feed, gleaners, uh, what churches feed, what churches um, uh, give away um, clothing, what other agencies are giving away clothing, what agencies are giving away furniture, what private individuals are giving away of furniture, giving away clothes. So we're needing to know those resources so we can help individuals in those homeless spots and let them know that this is not the end. It's not the end. Give them a hope and give them a hope in that this is not the end and 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 helping them uh step by step to get some of those things accomplished one of the things that um as dante was talking i was thinking about you know that combining force with the young people um uh in community relations and everything you take young people and you can get young people to uh, uh help you uh in this in this whole place uh of um uh, getting the information out, you know, doing whatever you have to do. You know, um, we don't see people doing too much with flyers anymore. Everybody has it on the internet. Everybody has it. Everybody is not on the internet. So we are still in need of having individuals that are able to do the footwork in the community to uh, give information out to individuals. If you don't give it to them hand in hand, post it in the stores, post it on the, um, uh, uh, on um, the si si on signs, posting it on the signs where people can see so that this can, if we have an influx of that, of still going in the community uh, uh, um, uh, hand in hand, we, we can we can get some we can get that place of helplessness removed from the people because a lot of times people can think it's just them and they need to know that it's not just you that there are other individuals that uh, suffer in this place and i'm not going to say suffer but have have had to endure this and uh just giving them being able to be a voice to let them know that um 
that that is not all over and they're just there are some things that we have stopped doing we have stopped there are some things that we stopped doing that we're going to have to start back because as i stated people everybody is not on zoom everybody is not um uh coming to know you know where they post on zoom post on facebook whether uh where they're giving away food at everybody is not on here and if you think if you think about it and look at it some of the hardest hit places are individuals that do not have access to the internet to computers to get the information so now we need to figure out another way a more innovative way how are we going to get those resources to them so they cannot feel helpless that's good and i know that um you know our church after christ which we're all members of i know that for a fact we've gone out into the community i know for a fact that we've fed the homeless i know that we've all donated clothes we've donated food um victoria just you know your business alone so i want you to actually talk a little bit about that because you actually have um an event coming up tonight online even though everything is not online those who are watching know that it's online right now okay um but you have an event because your thing is really about mental health. So we do go out in the community. Those of us that are talking about it, we're not just talking about it, but we are actually doing the necessary work. And there's times where I want to do it, but sometimes it's bigger than me. Sometimes I need the help to do it. And people say, yeah, 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 I want to help. And then there's no action. They go silent. They go go. So however you want us to put it, they ain't available. So um, we're going to wrap this up. We're not going to hold everybody up too much. But we wanted to talk about just get kind of things out that we've experienced within this new normal. Um, Victoria is going to go ahead and let us know a little bit about her event tonight, about what's going on with her, what's going on with me, and tell people how they can join in. Vicky. <laughs> Yes, uh, on this evening at 7.30, I'm having um, Lipstick to the Truth. And what Lipstick to the Truth is, uh, and first of all, you can join us on Zoom and the information is on up so that you can join us on tonight. Um, Lipstick to the Truth is basically uh, conversations about our mental health and what we, are, what we are actually doing for our mental health. What conversations are we having at home, at the table, you know, with our families dealing with mental health? Uh, is a place, is a platform to just check on each other to see what, what, you know, what, what, where you stand right now. You know, how did you come to the conclusion of where you stand and what's going on with you? Uh, can you be honest with me to tell me what's going on with you? And I not take, uh, I take, and I take not offense to what's going on or, or me not taking offense of you not telling me what's going on with you can i be trustworthy you know am i trustworthy enough to handle what somebody else really is telling me that's going on with their mental health can i be um can 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 i just be there can i just be there can i just be the ear to hear or did it just be the ear to listen to that individual so we have lipstick to the truth and a lot of times we don't like to stick to the truth these lips don't like to stick to the truth we like to lie we like to we go around subject matters and everything but um what's wrong with you what's going on with you you know in this time and a lot of times we can be we can be in need ourselves and not ask for the help i can need something you know um 
I've been a person, I've tried to, um, there have been individuals that have, don't have disinfectant. Something is no as something as common as that, not being able to have disinfectants uh, at this time. I have tried, you know, there have been some individuals that didn't have it and I was able to get, I was able to bless them with it. So we're talking about just some things that we can do for one another that will make that place of, uh, um, of struggle uh, be to an end. Because some people, you know, I had conversation with people that couldn't get disaffected and they thought that was it for them, that that was it. So to help them in that place of hopelessness, I gave them some disinfectant. Nothing in return, just give them what they need right now. So that's what that's that's what lipstick to the truth is tonight at 730. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. And of course, we have Tal. So we're going to go ahead and close things out. Um, we want to let you know how you can reach reach us. I know that um, I can speak for myself and the ladies that are on here as of this moment. If you reach out to us, if you inbox us and you tell us that there is a need, it may not be financially where we can get, but we are going to try and get you some type of resource, some type of um, just some place where you can go um, to either a talk to somebody, whether it's one of us or whether it's somebody out in the community, we will try and get you connected with someone. Um, it will not be maybe the same day. It may be the next day. Give us time to do that. But I know that I can speak for each one of us. We each um, have a passion for what we do individually. Um, but we also have a passion for those in our community. So NOAA's network is, of course, Tao's organization. So I'll let her tell you a little bit about that. Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to say this conversation has been really good. I think the main takeaway in our new normal is figuring out how to bridge the different gaps within our communities and building relationships. I think during this time of everything shutting down kind of exposed the little areas that we are lacking in as far as building stronger relationships mm -hmm. with our community, with our families, with um with everyone. So uh, Noah's network, uh, we are available to families that um, have children that are special needs or are dealing with any type of disability. Mm -hmm. uh, we are a resource, resource network where we are available to help connect you with other resources that may be of assistance to you. Um, we also at, look to advocate within school districts and also um, assist you even with your IEPs for your children. Um, because even that is changing on how school districts are going to be able to deliver those services that your child is entitled to. So mm -hmm. they still have to make those adjustments for your child. So we're available to you. You can uh, reach us out on our website at noahsnetwork12.org. We're also on Facebook and our number is on the screen. You can see, but please reach out to us. We just want to be assistant, be an assistance to you. And ladies, this has just been wonderful. It has been. It's been good. And of course, last but not least, <laughs> I'm Shay Owens. I am a certified life and relationship coach. I do take what I do seriously. Um, I've been through my own share of domestic violence, um, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, I've abused myself. Um, I've come full circle. God had to break me purposely in order for me to walk into my purpose. So um, I also do speaking as well. And of course, you see here, we have unscripted podcasts where you never know what you're going to get, but we're going to have some real conversations. So again, feel free to hit us up. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, 
um, all the social media sites. So we ain't even gonna go through all that. <laughs> it has been real, ladies. We want you guys to tune in next week. We will be having um, more conversations. If if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to share your input, or you feel like there's a topic that we need to know about or talk about, let us know. Because again, this is really just talking about things that matter to us as individuals. So you can do that um, by going by emailing interviewrequest2018 at gmail.com. Until then, everybody stay blessed. Peace.